At the age of 26, my business was half a million dollars in debt. As an entrepreneur, you get pushed around. The question I faced was, how would I crawl out from underneath the debt and grow my business? The exciting part is, I have a multi-million dollar business now. But the truth is, there is no perfect entrepreneur. Join me and follow along as I share with you the mindset and business strategies needed to grow any company. My name is Oliver Fernandez. Welcome to the Imperfect Entrepreneur. Let's talk about your team. How, how are you making this possible? Like every business owner that is thriving, they have an org chart, an org chart that states, you know, somebody's a visionary integrator, somebody's in charge of all the service, somebody's in charge of operations, somebody's in charge of growth. Can you lay out your org chart and explain it to us how, how you're acquiring, who's, who's responsible for acquiring the deals, who's responsible for producing the deals, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. So when we first started, you know, like it was just me, right? and I, 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 uh, I made a connection through my dad um, with another contractor that I had done government work before, and I told him like, I, I want to do this government stuff. I want to work directly for the government. I want to be the prime. I, he's like, dude, I, I love that. He's like, I'm doing it now. I've been doing it for the last thirty years. Like, I can't. I'm not going to give you any of my contacts, but kid, you go out there, you go find some contacts. I'll go help help you execute. So, um, I, you know, I was telling you, I spent that year and I was hustling and, and making the phone calls and sending the emails and going to the site visits and the, and the, the, the networking events and the Sam, the Sammy engineering events and all, all of the above. Right. And I made, it made, started making those contacts and he helped me execute on, on those projects. Right. So you know, that's what the business looked like before. And we, we did, a, we did a majority of that hundred million dollars with just us in the office and then we would have our superintendents out in the field. Uh, but, you know, that business is not scalable, right? Because there's just me and him. And, and it's just, there's, you know, you need, you, need, you need people to help with finance. You need people to help with recruiting and bringing on new team members. You need people to help with the estimating, right? You need people to help with the actual project management, Um and that's what we're that's what we're at now. You know, like now we built up the team where we we got project management, we got um, directors of construction, we got directors of estimating, we got we got uh, directors of finance, and and they they all play a very important role, especially when you're doing work for this government. Because and the reason why it's so important is because the old way that I used to do it when it was just me and my partner, we'd get caught up with one of, we'd get caught up in one of these jobs and like we had like. You know, the, the government was requesting things that we shouldn't be doing. And then all of a sudden you got to focus and put all this time and energy and all effort over there while all these other jobs are, you can't put any time to it. Right. But whereas you have a team, now all of a sudden the team, or one person from the team can be focusing on the problem while everybody else is operating and moving the business forward. So, you know, that, that, the, the, the business, the, the government contracting business, that's why it would go from like 12 million back to eight or from 10 million to six, you know what I mean? It was, it didn't have the ability to, I was, we we're trying to scale without people. And I know now we that. Have people in the place and now we can walk into growth when we get, when we get to certain levels. I, I love that. Now, referring to the process, let's say you have somebody who turns in an estimate, they see a, a solicitation 
they turn in a bid package. Do you have your all your own internal pricing through your partner, or do you all pound the phone and find the subs pricing and then put together your bid package? Yeah, we ground and pound. We hit the phones. You know, we put together the subcontractors. Um, you know, that's dialing dialing for dollars, baby. That's where the money's made. You know, that's exactly, yeah. that's where the money's made. I mean, if if you if, you know, we just yeah, that's where the money's made in construction is like putting together the whole package. The government has twenty things they want to get done. They want one person to, to handle all twenty of those things. We put together those twenty people or, or those ten, ten people, five people, and we give them that one package. And um, if, if if it's valuable enough to them to get the job done, they'll, they'll, they know who to call. Yeah, they print that money. That's that's interesting. You say that. Okay, so now now you got the award. You get the email, the pre award email, and from there, what immediately happens in your business? You got the pre-award. What's the next steps? Yeah, we go we go right into getting our bonds and insurance, right? And then it goes to the project manager to start executing on all the other contract requirements. We got our schedule, schedule of value. We got our submittals. We got getting the subcontractors lined up. So we get, once you get the subcontractors lined up, next step is they got to get a subcontract, right? So that goes back to the finance team and they start kicking out the subcontracts. Um, and then, you know, it's it's all fun and games. Yeah, you get someone out of the subcontract, but did they get it back to you? Did they sign it? You know, did are you requiring a bond from one of your subcontractors? Right now, we had a we had a project where we required a bond, but we didn't have, at the time, we didn't have someone checking to make sure we got the bond, right? So now we had an issue with that subcontractor on one project, and now we have a project with that subcontractor. We have a signed subcontract. So contractually, he's obligated to us, but we don't have that bond. We don't. We don't have like that attachment to his financial resources to make him finish that job, right? So so important. Yeah. So important yeah. to get a bond bond from your subcontractors because that that's an extra layer of protection for your company. And and you know it. One tactic that we do every so often is especially out of state is we try to get our subs well we make it a requirement to make our subs bond back the entire deal that's crucial because right now you're in a it's you're kind of your hands are tied right yeah i mean there's still a contractual obligation you know we could still go after and pursue them legally but like it's much easier to do it when you do have the bond and For sure. you know, like there, there's also there's additional costs when you do that bond thing right so we we typically will bond all subcontracts over two hundred fifty grand, uh, and you know, and a lot of times some of these smaller contractors they don't they can't get bonded, but they can do a heck of a job. So yeah. I mean, there's ones where we got like two hundred fifty thousand dollars for a trade subcontractor can't doesn't can't get a bond or whatever, or it's not big enough to get a bond or whatever. Doesn't have the financial backing to get a bond, but right. he can do the job for eighty grand, like. Am yeah, I going to turn away that no. number? Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure you got somebody on site watching, right? Yeah, yeah. No, we always have somebody on site. We always have a superintendent on site making sure jobs are being executed and and, and, and implementing that McKinsey brand in the field um, because uh, that, that touches on our core values. You know I mean? Like we're, we're not only accountable to each other, we're accountable to the government. We're accountable to each of our, each of our team members. So all of that matters, you know? Love that. So it sounds like you have gone through uh, an EOS method or traction because uh, you mentioned core values. 
did, which resource did you did you uh, learn from to to build your core values? Yeah, so I I I I've definitely read those books, and those books are awesome. Uh, we work with uh, Cardone Ventures, Brandon Dawson, and he's the one that taught me the the uh, the core values and um, you know the the systematic approach of building a business and, and yeah, taking it to the next level. Nice, nice. Okay, so you've got an estimating department. You have a construction department, somebody who's actually going to get the jobs done. You have underneath the construction department, you have superintendents, people who are going to uh, watch the jobs. You have a, a person who's going to deal with all the submittals, all the paperwork, all the bonding, all the subcontracts. Now, in terms of growth, where's the growth department in your business? When you say growth, is that like the new projects or like what? Um, well, in the government realm, I guess it's more estimators, more business developers. How yeah. many do you? How many do you have currently? So we have three people in the estimating department, and yeah, that's. I mean, you know, once you get on, so our our target is to get on three billion dollars with the max, right? So right now we're about one point three billion of those max. And then like we get that three three billion and they typically will have they're all spread over five years so that we're gonna get twenty percent of that. And then they're typically give them out to five contractors, so we'll get twenty percent of that. And that works out back that works out to be a hundred million, hundred and twenty million dollars a year um in, in contracts. So that's where we 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 said that that target of hundred million dollars, that's where we we backed into it from a mathematical standpoint. Um get three billion, twenty percent, twenty percent. $120 million a year. All in. Now, my I got a question for you. I'm curious how these are out-of-state contracts. A lot of people listening in are just mind-blown. They're, they're like, wow, you're doing projects out of the state? How is that possible? Talk to us about how you protect your company. What are the processes, the checklist, the protocols when you're doing a project in Alabama or Hawaii or California? Yeah. <laughs> well, first and foremost, the numbers got to be right, right? Like, I'm not going out of town for for a two thousand dollar job or a five thousand dollar job. Um, I'm going out of town for a one million, two million, three million, five million dollar job. Uh, so, in in that five million, need to have my my overhead profit. Numbers need to have be profitable, right? Um, and once now, once we, we, how do we protect that? You know, we the way we protect that is we always have someone that looking out for McKinsey's best interest on site. And sometimes we got two people on site, you know, whether it's a superintendent, quality control manager, site safety and health officer. Uh, so we always have those people on site. And then, you know, we, we, we create a systematic approach so that like, yes, the field is executing, but the home office is like staying in tandem with them. Right. So we create these three, we create a big schedule, but then we also chunk it down into three weeks. So we create our three week look ahead schedule. And if there's that three week look ahead schedule is basically driving the whole project. And we know what subcontractors are doing, what, and when they're doing it and how they're doing it. And if there's any deviations from that, then the field needs to come back to the home office and tell us like, Hey, there's a deviation. If it doesn't make sense, no, we're not, we're not doing that. But if it, if it does make sense and it's an add to the, add to the project and a value add to the project. Yes. We'll go ahead and, and, and deviate from the three week look ahead, but it still gets updated and everybody's on the same page. So like when you're doing stuff out of state, you got to be in alignment, you know, uh, and you have to be all pushing toward the same target. Everybody has to all be on the same page. 
And, you know, with technology nowadays, like we're talking over Zoom, you know, like there's, there, we, we create those calls and we make sure we're in communication with the team and everybody's on the same page from the, what, what needs to be done, what subcontractors we're using. And that's another way we keep ourselves protected, right? We're, we're working with subcontractors that are, that are the best of the best, you know, like I, I don't want a subcontractor that's a dud. I want a subcontractor that goes out and performs that can, that knows how to make money because if they can make money, they can make me money. Um, yep. And we hire find the, find the best guy in town. Find the best guy in town. As long as you can make money, he can make money, right? Right, right. Um, and and so like remember that story I was telling you about where the subcontractor you know had to throw him off the site. Well, like yeah. you know we got to bet the subcontractor too. Like so this person had been in business for thirty years. They had done work on the Navy base before. The thing we missed was that the dad died and the son took over the business. And the son mm. was a dud. And the and the, it didn't do what he said he was gonna do, right? So you know we always we always work through that. And like uh, one of the things my estimators will do is like, hey, I always ask them like, hey, did you have any issues when getting your, getting your proposal? Because if you're chasing somebody when they're getting that proposal, you're gonna be chasing them throughout the whole project. And you know we we ask those little questions now to 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 really dial in. Do we want to even work with this company? That's a great little nugget right there. Did you have any issues getting the proposal? Because if you do have issues getting the proposal, you're going to have issues dealing with them as the sub. Any more words of wisdom like that? You can just pull out of your hat because that was that's fire. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it just comes from doing it for so long. I mean, there's this. Uh, yeah, there's a ton of them, and I hope to keep. So, going. curious, how do you avoid in-person site visits? Do you have any technique strategy? Yes, you got to have a team, right? Like I'm here in Washington, D.C., but we got site business going on in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, uh, Memphis, Tennessee, Kentucky. You know, I can't be in all those places at the same time. Have I tried to? Yes, I have. And and it's like crazy. It's not fun. You know, like I want to be running up the hill with 20 of my friends carrying the water and like, you know, carrying a bigger bottle of water than just me trying to carry my one little thing. Um, and we got superintendents that'll go to the site business. We have, you know, other project managers or other 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 personnel that will go to the site visits. And then they're they get they get a checklist before they while they're at the site visit. Hey, we need a picture of this. We need to know what this is. We need, you know, pictures of every piece of equipment, the 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 name tag on every mechanical piece of equipment. And don't just take a picture, check to make sure the picture is clear. You know, yeah. so we have those checklists. Um, right. So anybody can do a site visit and we get the information we need to be able to put a price on. That's so true. That's so true. Send a teaming subcontractor or or send some personnel. Now, what about um, as far as the what would you say your superpower is? Oh, man, that's a good one. Um, you know, being able to dream, man, you know, like, yeah, I mean, how many people do you talk to where they just they don't dream anymore they're like you know what do you want to do oh you know i I just want to survive you know what i mean i've been there before i've you know i've you know when we were first starting out i was telling about those those dot jobs i mean we we, the business got into a half million dollars in the hole like we didn't have any prospects to pay it back at the time you know um and i called every one of the vendors and i told them i was going to pay out they're going to get paid back you're going to get paid back and we we ended up working it through it but, you know, I, I even in that moment, I still was able to dream and say, like, I want to be the prime contract. I want to 
be the, the guy that's doing these these government contracts and um and then not only just being a dreamer but then being a person that's willing to do whatever it takes obviously ethically morally correct to to make that a reality and i I'm, i will not sacrifice um i will sacrifice and do whatever it takes to 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 make that a reality make my dreams a reality uh, so i think uh, the combination between being able to dream and then willing to sacrifice to make make it all a reality um is my superpower and then it's like now that. it's training the team to do it right and training the team yeah. how to execute on that and, and take the have, have the same ability to dream but then also put the work in to go get your dreams you know and then we yeah. can all do something way bigger together than what we could do all, all alone amen brother amen what's your favorite band in the whole world and the entire universe honestly i I, you know, I'm uh, I'm at the age where I got two kids and I I got my uh, my my daughter's three and my son's one. So like I got like Coco Melon like running through my head all the time. Like the vodka, the vodka, Lola. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't really Same know. Like, I don't even listen to music that much anymore. It's like it's what they want to listen to. Um, I love that. Is that the Goalie River behind you in that photo? <laughs> no. So that's yeah. Um, so I went white water rafting and it reminds me of business, you know, it's like, and that's what I tell the team. It's like, you know, uh, you know, if you're not rowing, bailing water out of the boat, plugging holes that are in the boat, moving this boat forward, like, like you're going to get bumped out of the, bumped out of the, bumped out of the boat. Like we all got to be, um, you know, going, going in, in this, in, in that direction. Right. And I'm right along, I was, I'm right there in the front too. So I'm right along there with you, you know, um, yep. but we're all rowing and we're bailing and we're doing whatever it takes to, to move this business to the next level. What's your number one job uh, as the CEO of the company? I, I, I'll do, I've done every job here. Um, and right now it's, 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 it's changing. It's like being, more of the the leader in the in the forefront you know i'm at the same time it's i am an operator so i